HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio here on Heritage Radio Network. And today we are sponsored by Dixon's Farm Stand Meats in Chelsea Market, New York City. A really terrific butcher shop. If you haven't been I and you live in the New York area, I, I encourage you to go. Next week they're going to be starting lunches, serving lunch, and even roast chickens to take home. Um, Gabe Ross is, is the... Um, the guy behind the stove doing all the charcuterie and Jake Dixon is the owner and they specialize in traceable meats so they know the farmers and they know how they were slaughtered and they will tell you where the where the animal came from that you're buying and um, it's all really good quality meat and Adam Tiberio is their master butcher great group of guys great butcher shop Dixon's farm stand meats Today, I am very pleased to have with us uh, Michelle Ciccoloni. Hi, how are you, Linda? I'm good. Thanks, Michelle, for coming. Michelle, actually, I, I titled today's show Slow and Low. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle is an authority on Italian cooking and an author of, of 14, where, where we in counting, 14 yeah. cookbooks, yeah. Um, and also does um, culinary tours, Gives is a culinary tour guide. And has been on television shows and radio shows. We were talking about all the different shows she's done. But her most recent book kind of struck a different interest with me. She wrote the book, The Italian Slow Cooker. (laughs) What inspired you to write The Italian Slow Cooker? Well, I had, you know, I had never been one of the... Uh, fans of slow cookers uh, until uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, I was in Italy, in Rome, and I saw a, a pot of beans simmering on the hearth in this restaurant. It was a wood-burning fire, and they had this big glass bottle, and it was full of beans and liquid and uh, garlic and, and herbs, very, very simple. And the beans, the water was just barely moving. It was just barely simmering. And I thought to myself, wow, that's like the original slow cooker. <laughs> if only I could cook beans that way. But of course, in my apartment, I don't have uh, anything like that kind of equipment. Uh, certainly no wood-burning fireplace. So 
I got home and I thought, well, gee, I wonder if a slow cooker would would accomplish that, cooking the beans low and slow so each one just swells and, and gets tender and delicious. And I bought a cooker, and I tried it, and I loved it. Hmm. I, and that was the beginning of the yeah. Odyssey. Well, and it's interesting, be, I mean, beans of all things, because that was the original slow cooker in, in early colonial America, too, the, right. the bean crocks, right? <laughs> I was reinventing the wheel. Right. right. Well, and, and no, I did, I don't know if you did a little research. I did a little research on slow cookers. Yeah. Did you, I mean, I, they haven't been around that long. No, uh, they haven't been. Uh, from what I understand, the uh, first uh, electric bean cooker came out in around 1970, and it was a company called Naxon mm-hmm. that, that uh, produced a pot that they call the uh, beanery. Uh, and Rival, the Rival company, bought Naxon, and they sort of repackaged it, painted it uh, uh Avocado and uh, <laughs> right. and uh, gold, harvest gold. <laughs> all, the, those all those popular appliance colors <laughs> right. of the days. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Typically 1970. And they put it out as the crock pot. And the crock was for the liner, which is a porcelain or ceramic liner. And the outer uh, section of the device was a metal pot. And so that's how it got the name crock pot. And um, uh, that it became popular in no time at all because it was very timely. They were very wise to put it out then because a lot of women were going off to work. That's and right. Before, before that time, it wasn't such a common thing. But women were looking for a very convenient way to cook a meal. Mm-hmm. And I, I also... Um I, I remember food cooked in crock pots. And I never owned one during that time, I have to say, but um, it, it just it always seemed a little bit bland or, mm-hmm. you know, they're all tasting the same. And that's what's so marvelous about this book that you've written, that it's um, the dishes do not have to taste bland. Right? Well, you know, any dish, and, and this is something that I, I remember hearing Julia Child say, it's only going to be, as, what you get out of the pot is only going to be as good as what you put into the pot. So if you use a lot of packaged and artificial ingredients, I don't know, seasoning packages and cans of things, it's not going to be any better than what you put in, right? That's right. But That's right. it only seemed logical to me that if I started with fresh ingredients, um, uh, uh, good herbs uh, and so forth, uh, fresh meat, it, it would be very delicious and very tasty because slow cooking is a natural way of cooking so many things. And it's something that when you look at all of the different cultures, there are, um, uh, in history, I mean, people used to dig a pit and, and put some hot stones in it and they would add meat or, or root vegetables or, and uh, cover it up and come back hours later and things were tender and they were fit to eat. And, and this is historically a way to cook food. This is just the contemporary uh, uh, way of adapting things to a long, slow, gentle cooking. That's right. I mean, braising. Braising has just, it seems like young chefs suddenly felt like they, they've discovered something new and that's braising. And everyone braises and they braise for like, you know, a, a cut of meat for three, four hours, very low. You know, it's funny, I, um, in reading about um, the slow cookers, there was some controversy, I don't know, in the late 70s about the temperature. Uh, the temperature yeah. didn't get high enough, and there was yeah. a, a, a caution about food poisoning, which then didn't nearly pan out to be anything. But sous vide, now sous vide is like 
a water bath slow cooker, right? Uh-huh. And now that's, that's the new the new hot thing. And of course, the health authorities are saying the same thing: the temperature. You have to be careful. They have to. They can't cook it as low as that. Then watch out for food poisoning. Bring the minimum temperature up. But um, these are all things that are, have been taken care of by the companies, I assume. Yes. Uh, nowadays, the, the, the new slow cookers uh, cook much hotter than the original ones mm. do. Uh, so if you have an older slow cooker, you should uh, keep in mind that it's probably going to take longer to cook your food than if you've just bought one of the new hot models. Uh, they definitely cook much, much at a higher, at a much higher temperature, mm-hmm. and uh, so the cooking time is probably going to be a little bit less. But you know what you said about uh, uh, sous vide applies to anything. You've got to be careful. You can't just uh, cavalierly ta- fill the pot to the tippy top and and turn it on low and go away and expect the food to cook properly. There are some certainly some precautions that make sense and and. Uh, uh, I think people need to be aware of that. Yeah. I keep reading about people putting like frozen chicken into a slow cooker, and that's definitely a no no. <laughs> definitely not. So yeah. caution is the is the. Yeah, I notice that you do 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 give a lot of guidelines, nice guidelines, in the beginning of the book. Well, the crock pot certainly fell out of favor for a while, and we in America started discovering mm, good food international cuisines mm-hmm. and we sort of cast the the crock pot aside along with the chia pets and the uh, the fondue <laughs> pots you know I, i'm not sure that people really cast them aside maybe maybe they uh use them less or they talked about it less or they maybe they were just talking about the the latest hottest ingredients more but um, um i read a statistic that just astounded me something like 85 percent of american i saw homes, that too isn't that awesome 85 percent of american homes own a crock pot slow or, or a slow, slow cooker, cooker. Yeah. right crock pot being the of course the and uh, i thought come on thing. that's that's got to be a high statistic i never owned one but i will now say that um year before last mm-hmm. when the you know all the the fancy models were coming out i said well maybe this is something i should try out yeah. and um i did buy a slow cooker and i have to say it, it was it's it is really a fun thing to use because you can just Walk away and not worry about it, rather than worrying. Oh my God, did I leave the gas on? You know, right. how many pots of beans have I burned? And yes. burned the bottom of the pot. You know, or um, overcooked and they yeah. get all they fall apart. Well, and and Italian cooking, it seems to me, is just uh, ideal. There are so many wonderful Italian dishes that work in the slow cooker. Think of all of the delicious uh, slow cooked ragouts. You know, yeah. uh, the uh, the soups. Um, I make polenta in it. And Italians um, have never uh, had access to the quality of meats that we have here in this country. And so an Italian home cook really needs to extract um, the most from tougher cuts, leaner cuts of meat. And uh, slow cooking it is an ideal way to do it, or braising, as you say. And for people who are hesitant about getting a slow cooker, I say to them, you know what, think of it as an electric brazer. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. know, and uh, maybe that's a, a name I should patent for it. <laughs> but uh, it, it brazes to perfection without having to worry about food scorching and takes gets all the best out of those uh, lean, tough cuts and uh, bones. And you can put it on a timer and walk away. That's right. right. But you know, it's interesting that you've, uh, you know, that you of course, being an authority in, in Italian cooking, and I think all but maybe one of your cookbooks are all 
Italian Actually, cuisine. three of them are not. Three. Yeah, I did I <laughs> did just, I did a cookbook with Laurent Turandel right. a few years yeah. ago and that wasn't. But I also worked on The Joy of Cooking um uh, as an editor, so I I've had a lot of experience with the uh, other cuisines as well. But, you know, the Italians, as you say, I mean, they've had to extract flavor, cook the long sauces, but there was always the mama in the kitchen. That's so right. there was always, you know, the, the, the kitchen was always hot. There was always a pot on the stove and mm-hmm. the smells coming up. I remember when we lived there um, years ago, it would drive me crazy because we had <laughs> the apartment looked out onto a courtyard, a uh-huh. court, well, and you would start, you know, at like 10.30 in the morning, the smells would start wafting uh-huh. up to our floor of yes. all the great things that we're cooking. And, and I said, well, either I've got to join them or I've got to go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was wonderful. So, um, the, so a lot of the Italian dishes you've adapted are just naturals. If you can't be at home, there are no mamas in the kitchen in, in large part in today's culture. So this is perfect. No, certainly not in Italy. Most women go out to work and a number of years ago, I was doing my book, uh, Italian Holiday Cooking, and I was astounded. I love that book, by Thank the way. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I was astounded because I would ask people, you know, oh, the holidays are coming, Christmas is around the corner. What will you make for your, for your uh, holiday celebration? And they would just look at me and shrug and say, oh, well, we don't fuss. We don't have the time. You know, <laughs> we just, you know, maybe we'll roast a chicken and we'll, we'll get some pasta from the pasta store. <laughs> and so Italians really are, are letting go of those uh, traditions mm-hmm. and uh so I, i'm i'm very i think it's very important that those of us who value it so much really preserve the italian flavors and culture and historical flavors i think they'll come back around to it a lot of the young chefs especially will say hey i'm not gonna put aside all of those wonderful historical flavors but um it, it's essential that we do it if they if they need help, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll give their their culture and heritage back to them. Yes, right? <laughs> yes. Well, you see a lot of things going back across the pond. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's interesting because I was looking through some of the recipes in the book, and it's a beautiful book, and it's photographed beautifully as yeah, well. Yeah, Alan Richardson's a great photographer, and it's got lots of photos in it. They did a great job uh, with that. And one of the things it's interesting because when I. Um, one of our colleagues, Rick Rogers, in 1992, he wrote a book on, I think, on slow cookers and and kind of reviving the interest in slow cookers again. And he said, it's not that slow cookers, it's, slow cookers are great. It's how we've been cooking with them that's wrong, which is essentially what you say in your book, that's too. Right. I mean, a lot of people, I think, didn't want to, as you mentioned in your book, do any preparation before they turned it on so talk about we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit i i still see that um it's it's interesting to see the reactions that i get to my book some people are just thrilled to have real food coming out of a slow cooker and are so appreciative of the recipes because they are flavorful and they are uh they adhere to the tradition of italian cooking uh but other people say Wow, this book! There's so much work. I don't have time to <laughs> to brown the vegetables or you know the meats and before I put them into the pot. And uh, it's unfortunate because they just want to. They they there. It's just the kind of cook that loves to open that package of seasoning mix and and a can of Pepsi and throw. Yeah. In the, and I say, if I have to do all that, why have a slow cooker? Right. Right. <laughs> Right. But they'll get so much more out of it. Of course. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more and about some of your other books and about some of these great recipes that are in The Italian Slow Cooker. Thank you.
Welcome back to A Taste of the Past. Uh, we're talking with Michelle Ciccoloni uh, about her newest book, Italian Slow Cooking. No, The Italian Slow Cooker. That's Excuse right. me, Italian right. Slow Cooker. But it's about Italian slow cooking. And uh, Michelle, we were talking about how some people just don't like to do the preparation before they put food in a slow cooker. And yet all these traditional slow cooked recipes had them doing the same steps. Of course, there was uh, uh, someone was uh, complaining about that and said, oh, it, it says on the back of the book, uh, cook like an Italian grandmother. Uh, well, Italian grandmother, I don't, you know, that's misleading. Why, why wouldn't your Italian grandmother saute the meats or, or but a lot of dishes are just fine without that kind of, uh, without a lot of uh, advanced preparation. There's so many dishes that you just put everything in and uh, turn it on and walk away. I just made, the other day, the, the snowy day, uh, I made uh, a beef brisket, and I never browned the meat, and I didn't brown the onions, and the flavors were just wonderful, just really lovely and subtle, and uh, oniony and rich. And hmm. uh, well, a lot of put- it is for aesthetic purposes too. People don't yes. want to eat a beige chicken, or yes, you know, exactly. beige meat. Well, but the caramelization does add flavor too. It does do add it flavor. It changes the texture. It mm-hmm. speeds up the cooking. There are a lot of things that the caramelization does. But people should be aware that it is not essential in every uh, case, you know. And when I think it's absolutely essential, I'll say so in the book. But there are plenty of recipes that don't take a lot of preparation. Just put everything in. Well, I was so um, actually surprised and pleasantly surprised to look at the dessert chapter. (laughs) And you've got these wonderful, dense cake. I have to tell you, there is a truffle cake in Michelle's book that I'm definitely going to make for Valentine's Day. Uh, But it... I'm thinking, well, if I think, gee, a dessert in a slow cooker. But then you think about steamed puddings and yes. steamed cakes. Yes. Uh, people say, well, why would you bother to make a dessert in a slow cooker? F- for me, I have just one oven in my kitchen. So if I'm, ro- let's say I'm roasting a turkey or something and I want to make a cheesecake, uh, I can use my slow cooker as an adjunct to the one oven that I have. Also, in, in the summertime, when it's really hot, I don't want to heat up the whole house by turning on the oven. The slow cooker is a nice alternative to that. But best of all, it just does such a wonderful, gentle uh, cooking for uh, like custard baked uh, cakes, I'm, and I'm thinking of cheesecakes or that that flourless chocolate cake. Yeah. It just cooks really gently; doesn't brown on the top. The cheesecakes never crack, and it keeps a lot of steam. And almost like yeah. a like a steamed pudding. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, that's really uh, what you need to understand about slow cookers is that they work by with very low temperature, but they also there's no evaporation. So if you're adapting a recipe, a traditional recipe, to the slow cooker. You should always start with less liquid than you uh, would if you were cooking it on the stovetop or in the oven because uh, the steam doesn't escape. And that's what creates that that wonderful atmosphere for cheesecakes and Mm. other cakes. Well, there are just a a host of recipes that that I look forward to trying from this book. Um, And I would encourage people to look at it. It will change your mind about the crock pot. (laughs) But don't, yeah, but don't dust off your old crock pot. I suggest going and getting a, you know, a newer version of the of the slow cookers. Well, the the new slow cookers have a lot of um, uh, developments. I mean, it's still a very low tech piece of equipment when you consider the things that we're confronted with nowadays. But it's. uh, they they do have timers. Uh, they do so that they'll automatically turn off. They're programmable to let's say start at high, switch to low, then go to warm. Uh, they uh, have a longer cooking capability. Uh, there are 
you know, uh, signals that sound when the uh, cooking time is uh, done or, or is changing. So they do have a lot of um, nice uh, features nowadays that the old ones didn't have. Yeah, and I wonder how many of those glass fiascos of beans <laughs> cracked and, and oh, spilled wow. when someone stoked the fire up a little too high. Yeah, right? there's, that. there's that. So you don't have to worry about that at all. Um, you mentioned some of the other books that um, you have written and the... the um, um, Italian holiday cooking. Uh-huh. As I say, that was that is one of my favorite books. They Thank have you. Some very interesting recipes in there. Which which of the books did you have? Let's say the biggest love affair with. Well, uh, quite probably, possibly it was the uh, one thousand Italian recipes. Mm. Uh, you know, when uh, the idea was first broached to me, one thousand Italian recipes. It's going to take a lifetime, and I thought. But I've already devoted my lifetime to developing Italian recipes and uh, and traveling in Italy. I've been traveling in Italy since 1970. And you give and, and you also conduct um, culinary tours yes, in Italy too. Correct? Yes, my husband and I bring groups to Italy and we visit uh, wineries and factories where they make cheeses and artisan uh, mm-hmm. producers of all different and kinds. Your website michelleschicoloni dot com. Yeah, okay. uh, it's easy to find. Uh, if you know my name, and uh, <laughs> spell it right, producer. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, oh your, your favorite book, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand Italian, Italian recipes. Exactly. <laughs> so I started out with my family's traditional recipes because, of course, uh, I am Italian American, and uh, I had uh, a lot of wonderful traditional recipes from my grandparents that I. Developed, you know, of course, like everybody's grandma, it was a pinch of this and a and a, yeah. a soup spoon of that, and I managed to codify them and you know write them down in a in um, uh, an organized way, and uh, and then in my travels in Italy, I've found all of these wonderful, wonderful traditional recipes, new recipes, uh, you know, things that were just uh, n- uh, creations of a, of a local chef that. Uh, didn't have any tradition behind them at all, but they are Italian. And so I was able to bring all of that together, all of my 40 years of research almost, uh, into uh, 1,000 Italian recipes. Uh-huh. So that's a, it's a terrific book. And I, I hear over and over again people say that it's just like their go-to book. Oh, I have some zucchini. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> you know, I, I bought a pound of fish. Now what? You know, And it's a book that you'll find the answer to your questions. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Um, well, Michelle is also the author of two Sopranos That's cookbooks right. from the famed HBO series. Yes, um, Sopranos, the Soprano Family Cookbook was that the first? The one? first one is Sopranos Family Cookbook. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, did you actually consult with the members of the cast to, to find their favorite recipes? Uh, I mostly worked with my my biggest contact was with uh, David Chase, who is the creator right. of the show, and. Um, when uh, they uh, called me in to ask me if I'd be interested in doing the book, someone uh, on their staff had seen some of my previous work. Uh, uh, we got into a conversation about the kinds of dishes I would imagine that the Sopranos family would be cooking and eating, you know, if they were genuine, real people. And because my family is from the same region of Italy as David Chase's family, it struck a chord with him, and and I, the list of uh, possible recipes 
really, uh, oh, I remember that he wrote, and you know, got con- and, and don't forget to make this, <laughs> and uh, so forth and so on. So well, and food was such a big part of the series. As well, well. That's, they yeah. were always sitting down at, the, at for dinner. Right? Well, for an Italian American, <laughs> it is it's a big part of life. It's it's everything. It, uh, everything revolves around meals and food and sharing and and uh, eating well and uh, drinking wine to go with it. And uh, so uh, that's how the book got started. And uh, David Chase was very meticulous about everything on the show. Is uh, That's why it was so excellent. And uh, he also had a lot to say about what went into the book, too. Mm-hmm. So I'd say about um, a third of the recipes were things that you would find on the show, that they would be talking about uh, on the show or eating on the show. And a third of them were my family's um, recipes that, uh, as I learned to cook them from my grandmother, uh, who came from the Naples area. And um, then I'd say about a third of them were mm, more contemporary recipes that I could imagine the Sopranos uh, would would be eating, uh, you know, uh, Italian-Americans eat today. Well, with the title, I think a lot of people um, who picked it up would not consider it necessarily a serious cookbook. But once they looked through it and saw the recipes, they would see that, wow, these are these yeah. are actually authentic recipes. In here. Yeah, uh, I heard that over and over again. It was very gratifying. People uh, who said, I, did, I wouldn't, ne- never thought these recipes would work, but wow, they're great. And uh, it was a number one uh, book, New York Times book, for weeks and weeks. It wow. really is very successful. That's, that's really something. Um, did you get to, did you have any... Um, travel time with them and as far as you know advertising the book did they yeah we did a, a few shows together in the new york area i didn't travel with them but uh we we did the today show and mm-hmm. i prepared the food for that and it was a lot of fun uh i, I met the uh, the uh, there was a big uh, party for the book when it came out so i've met them on a number of occasions and i the, the uh, actors are terrific they're just a bunch of uh, regular regular guys you know <laughs> regular guys they are Thank goodness they're regular guys. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I, w- I was thinking about um, back to the Italian slow cooker and reading through a lot of the recipes. But it's interesting that all of a sudden I thought of the flip side, which may be, be your next book. Because <laughs> for Italians, it was always, obviously, what we all know now is the best way to cook, the freshest ingredients, the best quality ingredients. Yes. But also it was... Um, Fast things. A lot of Italian recipes were not cooked for a long, long time. They it's were true. very simply prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, give it a, a quick turn and and out on the plate. Maybe that's the next book. Fresh maybe, and fast. Huh? Maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to give that some thought. But um, there are so many Italian things that just work so so well in the slow cooker. And uh, I, I was just astonished. For example, one of my big successes was making polenta in the slow cooker. That when I read that, I said that that's it. That, it I will never do it the old fashioned way again. It's, right? it's a breeze, you know. I never liked making polenta because it when it starts to simmer and bubble, it I wind up it, splashing, getting myself yeah, splashed, yeah. and my hands get old. And if you get any burned particles on the bottom, forget it, the whole batch is yeah, ruined. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you never have to worry about that in the yeah. slow cooker. You just uh, put everything in. Well, that, you know, it's interesting because um, you you pretty much have answered the question, but that was when I read the book, too. There were some dishes, some of the recipes that really didn't require long cooking that you have in the book, but that it they're just improved by the long cooking. Some of the sauces yeah. and things that, that I wouldn't have thought of, like the gardener's sauce. Uh-huh. Um, well, describe yeah. that one. That's a, a delicious sauce, and it's made with a lot of different vegetables chopped up. 
carrots, onions, celery, cabbage, zucchini. And you can really put in just about anything that's in season. And they're all put into the pot and then slowly, slowly cooked. And then what happens is the rest, the vegetables lose much of their individual identity and come out into this whole flavor um, uh, that, that, you know, everything is married together. And it's terrific over um, uh, pasta, uh, whole, whole wheat pasta, for a very healthy, very simple meal. So it really pretty much changes the nature of, of the original dish, I would imagine, if it, unless somebody did cook it. I mean, unless it was originally meant to be a, a sauce like that, meant to be cooked a long time. Is this uh, your own creation? No, it was something that I had originally eaten in uh, the Parma area. Hmm. In fact, it, it was in uh, Verdi's town. Uh, Verdi, Giuseppe Verdi was born in Roncoli Verdi. Mm. And uh, he, uh, there used to be a wonderful restaurant there many, many years ago. And the chef made that dish and grated lots of fresh parmigiano over the top of it. And I just loved it. I, it was just something I'd never eaten before, and I thought it was marvelous. So, so. it really was like a piece too. It really was meant to be um, eaten with pasta yeah. and cooked a long time. And cooked it was, a long time. What, till it yeah. You know, Italians are not, um, uh, they do like their vegetables well cooked. You know, the, the, that whole French thing with the vegetables being crisp, tender, and, yeah. and all that. It's not really the Italian way. Salads, of course, are different, they're raw. But uh, most vegetables in the Italian kitchen are well cooked. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, uh, uh, so an Italian would not have any qualms about slow no. cooking their vegetables up well, for a long time. Now that brings me to the question have, is there an Italian version of a slow cooker, and have Italians embraced a slow cooker to your knowledge? I, I have never seen an electric slow cooker in Italy. But um, Italians have different um, electronic uh, devices, electrical uh, equipment than we have for their kitchens. For example, they have a wonderful uh, <clears throat> uh, piece of equipment that's sort of a combination of a blender and, and, a, and a pot, a cooking pot. And so you, if you've, let's say, made a soup, uh, you can then just flip the switch and it will puree the soup right there in the same pot, which I think is a great device. That's a, yeah, I yeah. mean, we have, so what do we have to do? We have to take our immersion blenders right. and stick it in the pot, right? right. Or transfer it to yeah, a, blend. a blender, right? So, I mean, they have equipment that we, they have the, that wonderful electric polenta pot. I don't know if you've ever yes. seen one. Yes. That and, stirs. Well, and, and the Japanese have the rice cookers. I mean, so yeah. it, slow cookers are, that's, they are just sort of a natural thing, but I, but I never thought. You know about putting polenta in a slow cooker. Yeah, it's a That's it's great. a great uh, solution. And what else is wonderful about it is that uh, if your polenta is ready, but the rest of your meal is not, or your guests are are delayed, the polenta will stay without turning to cement hmm. the way it might on the stovetop. It'll stay nice and warm and uh, keep perfectly smooth and spoonable in your slow cooker. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. great. That's something to a good thing to remember. Mm-hmm. So. Again, get out your crock pots. Maybe those fondue sets. We got <laughs> well, get those fondue sets out and, and think of the next thing to do with those. Oh, that's <laughs> an idea. The chia pets. I don't know. <laughs> no. I, don't, that one, I, I never understood that from Nobody the Nobody needed that. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I encourage people to read any one of the 14 books because it will be a real treat. Michelle certainly is an authority on Italian cooking and the Italian slow cooker is yet another great one. Thank Thank you. you. You've been listening to A Taste of the Past and I'm Linda Palaccio. Our sponsor again has been Dixon's Farm Stand Meats and I'd like to thank our producer Jack Inslee and our engineer Nat Wiener. 
Thank you.